Hello everybody, a very warm welcome to you indeed as you watch this video wherever you're watching in the world. This is a video produced by Trinity Church and we're making these um, resources available uh, during this time of lockdown for our church family and for anybody else uh, who's watching uh, wherever you are in the world. You're most welcome to join us. These are resources put together for Sunday the 10th of May uh, 2020. I believe this is the uh, eighth Lord's Day of lockdown, a time that we didn't expect to be in for as long as we are, uh, but here we are uh, together like this. I'm glad that you're with us today and watching. Uh, you're, you're most welcome indeed. And I know that some in our church family aren't able to access uh, the video feed and uh, you're listening simply by audio, telephone. Uh, and so to you folks in our church family, I want to say a special hello to you and a welcome uh, we're glad that you're able to listen and to uh, take part uh, in our worship in this way. So here is uh, some words. Here are some words from First Chronicles chapter 29, words that call us to worship the living God today. Wherever you are and wherever you're doing that, I hope that what we uh, put out here will be helpful to you, to you and your family. Uh, if you're watching on your own, may God bless you and use all that we're going to do today to lead you to him. First Chronicles 29, words of a call to worship. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honour come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Here are words of confession prepared, particularly for this context in which we find ourselves in, a prayer for grace and mercy. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, the healer of nations and judge of all, give us grace to humble ourselves under your mighty hand throughout this time of anxiety and discomfort. In your anger, remember mercy not giving to us all we deserve for our many sins, but strengthening us to repent and recover from all we must endure. For we ask in the name of our precious Saviour, Jesus Christ, who bore our sicknesses and carried our sorrows, that we might experience new life in the Spirit. Amen. Here are words of assurance and pardon, what God always holds out, to his people who come to him humbly in repentance and faith. First John, this is the message we heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We have another prayer now that we're going to sing words of a song uh, that has been made available for us. You'll see the words on the screen. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you. This is our prayer as we come to God to receive his word. Now our reading today is from the book of Acts and we're continuing our series in Acts. So it's Acts chapter 13 and I'm going to read from verse 44 through to chapter 14 verse 7. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. 
But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Amen. Well, expectations are everything, aren't they? Knowing what is coming your way is the key to being able to cope with it, to be able to prepare for it and to accept it. One of the many reasons I think why lockdown life has been so difficult for just about all of us is because we just don't know what to expect. How much longer will this go on for? What about my finances through a time like this? What about my children's education? What about the health of the nation, my friends, family, loved ones? What can we expect to happen? Getting our expectations right with God is so important too. Knowing what to expect today and tomorrow and the day after it, if we live for the Lord Jesus Christ and love Jesus and speak for Jesus, well, knowing what is going to come our way, if we do all of those things, is so important. I don't know about you, but my expectations with the coronavirus simply haven't always been right. I was kind of hoping that by this point, 10th of May, lockdown restrictions were about to be eased and lifted. But it doesn't look like that's the case here in Scotland, does it? Wrong expectations of the future, when you discover they're wrong, as the future rolls into your present, wrong expectations can be hard to handle. Takes you by surprise. This book of Acts that we're looking at together in Trinity Life together, this book of Acts is one big story about what to expect when God takes the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ and puts it into the hands of ordinary men and women, the early church, and then sends them out with that good news to the very ends of the earth. 
The book of Acts is all about what to expect when that happens. And chapter 13 is the first sermon that is preached out there, outside Jerusalem, in the big, bad, wide world out there. And everything is so positive, isn't it, at first? Right where we left it last week, chapter 13, verse 42, 43, Jesus is the king at the heart of this world's story. Jesus is the answer to the world's big problem. What is there not to love with that story? Look where we left off, verse 42. There we are. The people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. Hungry for it. Tell us more. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul. Verse 44, where we began today. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. It's amazing. And if we expect from here, because of what we've just read, if we expect from here, plain sailing off into the sunset for the gospel, in the world as it is proclaimed out there today, if we expect that the book of Acts, chapter 13 into chapter 14, our passage this morning, the book of Acts is here to say, Time to readjust your expectations. If you expect only verses 42, 43, 44, only light and life and happiness, it's time to recalibrate. Time for a reality check. Friends, I just have one thing to say today. One thing. I don't know if that's helpful. I don't know how you're listening. Maybe it's all peace and quiet. Maybe there are several children restless on the sofa, running around the living room. I don't know how easy it is to listen. So one thing, don't forget what life with Jesus is really like. That's what this passage is all about. Don't forget what life with Jesus really looks like. Don't forget what it looks like to speak about him and proclaim him and live for him and love him out there in the world. It's kind of easy to forget that at the minute, isn't it? I think it's becoming almost impossible uh, it's certainly very difficult to kind of remember life as it used to be. We're, we're in a lockdown bubble, aren't we? I wonder if you'd agree with me. Maybe, maybe some of your friends and your family's spiritual interest in the early days of lockdown is beginning to wear off. If it hasn't worn off already, they, they tuned in once or twice and now they've moved on. Uh, not much to see here. Maybe you're forgetting what to expect When we go back out there to normal life, whatever that will mean, whatever that will be like, because one day we will, God willing. God's word to us today is this. Don't forget what life with Jesus looks like. Don't forget what it is really like. And there are three sides to this lesson in expectation. Three sides. Number one, don't forget that life with Jesus means sharp division. Number two, don't forget that life with Jesus means religious revulsion. And number three, life with Jesus. Friends, don't forget, life with Jesus means joy in suffering. Joyful suffering, sharp division, religious revulsion and joyful suffering. Add the Lord Jesus into your life and those three things follow as you speak for him. So number one, life with Jesus means sharp division. Sharp division. Can I show you this from our passage? It's all over it, isn't it? Look at verse 45. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. 
See the dividing line right there in your Bible, right down the middle? The crowds on the one hand and the Jews on the other. And Paul responds in verse 46, they spoke out boldly. Since you Jews have thrust the gospel aside, since you have rejected it, we are turning to the Gentiles. There's a fork in the road. You have done this, so we are now going here. Look at verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying. And as many were appointed to eternal life, believed the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Verse 50, but the Jews incited the devout women of the city. And look at chapter 14, verse 4. There it is in black and white. But the people of the city were divided. Some with the Jews and some with the apostles. Couldn't be clearer, could it, friends? Life with Jesus means living with a divided response to him. He he splits the world in two. Right back to the start of Luke's writing, he wrote his gospel part one. And Simeon took baby Jesus into his arms in the temple and said, This child will call cause many to rise and many to fall. He will split the world in two. Living with Christ means expecting that and anticipating that and being ready for it. And friends, we we need to notice here in this passage where this division begins. Where does it start? Verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life. Believe. See what Luke is saying? Do you see where the division starts? It starts with God. It starts with him. This is the doctrine of election being worked out in the world. And we shouldn't want friends ever to shy away from this or to try and soften it. But rather we need to rejoice in it. God is the one who appoints people to eternal life. God does that. He chooses The Lord Jesus said exactly the same thing, didn't he, to the the Jewish leaders of his day. You do not believe, he said, because you are not my sheep. You do not believe in me because you are not my sheep. And this passage in front of us helps us with the doctrine of election because it shows us what it means and what it doesn't mean. Okay, the doctrine of election means that God chooses God appoints, God ordains. That's the word there in verse 48. End of story. God chooses. That is one truth in the doctrine of election. He sets his love on some people and not on other people. And at the same time, truth number two, second truth, we are responsible for the choices we make. We are responsible for the choices we make. Those are the two parallel lines in the doctrine of election. God chooses. We're responsible. See, look at verse 46. Look how Paul and Barnabas put it. It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. But since you thrust it aside, you thrust it aside. God didn't have your your arm up behind your back, twisting your arm, making you do something you didn't want to do. You thrust it aside, you rejected it, you did what you wanted to do. See, when we think about God saving some people and not other people, here's what we have to remember, friends. It it is as plain as day, not everyone wants to be saved. 
Not everyone wants to be saved. Some people want, they want nothing to do with Jesus. They want nothing less than to ever have anything to do with it. No, at the same time, in, in a mysterious way that we cannot understand, even as God sovereignly stands behind every single thing that happens in his world, even as he does that, people make choices that they are completely responsible for. Look at verse 50. The Jews incited the devout women of high standing. The Jews did it. They raised the objection to the gospel. Look at chapter 14, verse 2. The unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. You see, see what the text is saying? It's not, that, it's not that God appoints some people to eternal life and then poisons the minds of other people so that they won't be able to, to believe. No, people do what they want to do. Not everyone wants to be saved. And God gives to some what they want. Okay, he says to some, here's what you want. Here's what you deserve. You can have it. At the end of time, there will be no one in hell who spent their life wanting to be in heaven. It's very important to know that. It's clear, isn't it, from here. Appointing some and others becoming hardened in their rebellion, their own choice to wander from God and stay in their sin. Yeah, look how wonderful this is. In this Gentile city here, as the word of the Lord arrives, as it arrives, God has his people there. People he appointed to eternal life who hear the message and believe. And this is the gospel, the good news he came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus did the looking and the seeking to save. The parable of the lost sheep in the Bible, it is exactly that, isn't it? The sheep is lost and Jesus goes to get it. There is no parable in the Bible of the seeking sheep. No, God ordains to eternal life. And as he ordains, Jesus comes and Jesus seeks and we preach and speak and live for Jesus. And as we do that, as we do that, well, this passage is saying as we do that, the results department belongs to God. The results department is God's business and the results will always be mixed, always be mixed, always divided. It, it so helps us to know what to expect when we share the gospel, doesn't it? What do you expect to happen when you share it with friends? Preach it or teach it in church or speak it in a staff room with three different people. Share it with all your family and friends. So I might do all of those things and experience total acceptance, widespread acclaim, preach the gospel in a church family and have every single person for every single Sunday, for every single year of your ministry, have everybody rise up and with one voice bless you for what you've done. And thank God for his word. Do that. Have that happen. And God, the Lord Jesus, I think, would send us back to the drawing board and say, check your message. Are you sharing the gospel, really? Are you sharing the message about Jesus as king? For that message never meets an undivided response. Never meets an undivided response. You, you know, I, I think the doctrine of election helps the preacher. 
Here's a truth I'm learning. If you're watching this and you're in ministry as well, somewhere else here in the city or somewhere else in the world, or you're just teaching children in your Sunday school class, your family. Here's a beautiful thing to learn with me. These aren't my words, but just listen to how good they are, how, how full of this passage they are. Here's the words. Everything pastors hope will take place in a person's life with God remains outside the pastor's own power. Everything pastors hope will take place in a person's life with God remains outside the pastor's own power. These people who believe. Is that my success? Have I done that? No, no. God appointed them to eternal life. These people who reject the message, who walk away from it, who, who oppose me and hate me because of what I'm saying. Can I change their minds? Can I stop the thrusting it aside? Can I stop them poisoning other people? No, I can't. You can't. It will happen. And so all we can do, friends, is just simply to take take our Bibles and to lay it open. Remember a couple of weeks ago to build a straight road, cut it clear, lay it wide open. Friends, speak of the Lord Jesus Christ often. As often as you can, use lockdown with your neighbours and your friends to give them a book to read or something you've seen online. Maybe you've got the kind of friendship where you can even talk to your friends about death, the death that is all around us. Maybe a new opportunity for us to speak of Christ in these days. Or just simply to say to someone, I'll pray for you. I'm a Christian, I believe in the Lord Jesus. I believe that someone has conquered death. Let me pray. I'll pray for you. Jesus, the world's king. Jesus, the answer to the world's great problem. Speak about him and just leave the results with God, this passage is saying. Leave the results with him. We want to control the results, don't we? I want to control the response. If the response to the message is bad, I must have failed. I've blown it. Maybe the response being bad is all the evidence in the world we need that we got it right. That we got everything right. For look at this as well. Don't forget what life with Jesus can cost. Don't forget what life with Jesus can cost. Don't forget what life with him is like. It can sometimes cost the earth. Here's the second point. Life with Jesus can bring religious revulsion. Life with Jesus can bring religious revulsion. That, that's the particular type of persecution here, isn't it? Gentiles are involved in it by chapter 14, verse 5. Yes, the Gentiles have got stones in their hand. But friends, make no mistake, the people standing there in verse 5, chapter 14, verse 5, the people standing there with rocks ready to murder Paul and Barnabas and the apostles and to kill them. Those people ready to, to murder were church going, Bible loving, the God of Israel adoring Jews. And they find the gospel revolting. Revolting. It, it makes them want to vomit. It makes them want to spit blood. Life with Jesus can bring you right up close to religious revulsion. Here in our passage, it's the issue, isn't it, of, of course, of the gospel going to the Jews first, rightly, naturally. 
The Jews were Abraham's children. Jesus was a Jew. Descended from David. He was Israel's Messiah. Their king and also the world's king. And so Paul says in verse 46. If Israel rejects its own king. Then behold. We are turning to the Gentiles. Jewish opposition to the gospel is real. Even today. Jewish opposition to the gospel today shows us, you see, that some people can get just enough religion to inoculate themselves to the gospel. They get enough religion to find the idea that Jesus died for our sins to bring us forgiveness. Barbaric and offensive and disgusting and not worthy of time or attention or even the right to breathe anymore. You should be wiped from the earth for believing that. Jewish opposition to the gospel is real. Religious revulsion is what we have here. You know, when, I, when I was a student and involved with the Christian Union, some of the worst opposition we had as a student, as a, a Christian student, Christian Union movement, the worst opposition came from the university chaplaincy. I have a, a friend in, who was in another university. He was setting out chairs in, in the chaplaincy for their Christian Union meeting one evening. And normally in the chaplaincy, there would normally only be only a handful of chairs. And my friend was having to put out an extra 100 chairs because of the size of the CU. And the chaplain arrived in the room while he was doing this. What do you do to get so many people, the chaplain said. How do you do it? 100 chairs? My friend said, we open the Bible and we tell people about Jesus. It's all we do. And the chaplain exploded with laughter and walked off shaking his head. Do you notice verse 4 in our passage, verse 45? Verse 45, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. Filled with jealousy, with envy. Why is everybody interested in that and not in our services? Why are our churches dying and these churches living? Because you open the Bible and speak about the Lord Jesus? No, 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 I'm not having that. No, we won't have it. And the might of institutional religion that reviles the gospel can be very, very strong. Very strong. Nothing sometimes is more offensive than people who believe the Bible, who, who trust its words, who love what it says. Nothing can be more offensive than people like that inside a religious institution and organism that has its own gathering strength and steam, its own life, life source and, and force that does not come from the Bible. Does not come from the Bible anymore. I know of a congregation in London that was planting a new church and a member of the clergy wrote to every single community hall, every school principal in the area where this church was hoping to hold services. And this member of the clergy wrote to tell everybody in the community that a dangerous sect was moving into the area and should be avoided at all costs, given no space in the community. Religious revulsion of the gospel. Now, that might be strange for us today. Maybe as you're watching and listening, this is a million miles from life for you right now in lockdown. Can I encourage you just to build this into your thinking today? Just fold this into your heart. Tuck it away for 
Maybe one day when you might need it. Maybe one day this will cross your path and you will see up close and personal, like I have, religious revulsion at the Lord Jesus Christ and at his living word. So can I finish with this? Here's my final thing to see. How Paul and Barnabas respond here is a beautiful thing. Verse 52 of chapter 13, life with Jesus. Here's the third point. Life with Jesus means joyful suffering. Joyful suffering. You see, suffering is one thing, isn't it? It's there in verse 15. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, drove them out of their district. Can you imagine being forcibly removed from an area, driven out? What about chapter 14, verse 6? Having to make strategic decisions to leave an area because your very life is at risk. Sharp divisions, the persecution of religious and civil authorities against you. All of that is one thing. But in the midst of that, in the midst of all of that, where does chapter 13, verse 52 come from? Joy and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Where does it come from? How do you get that? How do you do that? Well, I think it all comes from verse 47. From knowing that what Jesus was, the light of the world... His followers also now become to the world. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Christ's people know that we are his light in the world, and God will bring his salvation to the ends of the earth through us. That is where joy and suffering comes from. Joy in suffering for Jesus comes from knowing that God has promised to fill the earth with his glory. One day the earth will be covered with his glory the same way that the waters cover the seas. It is a promise. His salvation will come to the ends of the earth. Joy in suffering for Jesus comes from knowing that Jesus is the world's true king and nothing will stop him bringing his salvation to the ends of the earth. If you do not know that, you will not suffer. You will not be joyful in suffering for him. On the 16th of October, 1555, Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley were burned at the stake in Oxford burned for their Protestant faith, for holding on to the clear, life-giving gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and his death. Burned at the stake. And as they were about to die, Latimer, Hugh Latimer said to, Rid to Ridley, play the man, Master Ridley. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England, as I trust shall never be put out. We shall light such a candle that shall never be put out. Why could a man say that with his dying breath? Because he believed, verse 47, a light for the Gentiles, for Christ's salvation to the ends of the earth. Friends, do you know that today, as you're watching, wherever you're watching, over 18 million Anglicans will gather for worship in Nigeria alone, one country on earth, 18 million Anglicans. Simply one branch of the Christian church. 
Where, where does all of that come from? It comes from God taking Abraham, one man, and saying to that one man, through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All the nations. How many people are watching this video today? How many believers in our city? How many throughout the world? It may seem minuscule, tiny. And yet God is keeping his promise. Lights are being lit. The light of the gospel burns yet in all the nations of the earth. Friends, from tiny acorns in Jesus' kingdom, from tiny acorns, mighty oaks can grow. Do you believe that? What do you expect as you speak about him and live for him? All of this here in front of you, I hope. Rejection, revulsion, and also rejoicing. So may God help us. Amen.